This year's Clear the Shelters Adopt-a-thon is the most successful in its history, with over 161,500 cats and dogs finding homes. This success, Nathan, is in direct contrast to the claim being made by kill shelters across the country that adoption levels are down since the end of the pandemic and nowhere near what they were pre-pandemic, and that there is nothing that they can do about it. Absolutely. In fact, some of the most extreme naysayers have even gone so far as to claim that we can't adopt out more because we have reached what they call peak dog in the United States. They're actually making the claim that the number of households who want dogs is completely maxed out and that that will only result in a downward trend in terms of the number of pet dogs for generations. And yet here you have an adoption campaign that markets animals to the public, makes it easy for the public to do the right thing, and and the end result, as it was pre-pandemic, occurred post-pandemic. And it occurred- Well, to even a greater extent, because this was their most successful event thus far. Hello and welcome to This Week in Animal Protection. We're the Winograds. I'm Nathan. And I'm Jennifer. Today we will discuss the immense success of this year's Clear the Shelters Adopt-a-thon. Over 161,500 cats and dogs found homes. That is the highest single-year adoption mark in the campaign's eight-year history. Since the event specifically targets municipal pounds, most of these animals are those who would have otherwise faced killing. On top of that, shelter intakes are down, reclaims are steady, adoptions are increasing, and in some cases, like with Clear the Shelters, increasing significantly. So why are headlines proclaiming, and often in the direst of terms, that shelters face capacity issues? The answer is that shelters need to operate their shelters post-pandemic the same way they did pre-pandemic if they want to be successful. And that means the no-kill equation, foster care, marketing and promotion, offsite adoptions, and robust adoption campaigns, including being open when people are off work and families are together, such as the weekends and evenings. But many shelters are choosing not to do that, and some have announced that they never will. If you want to skip ahead to that discussion, see the time signature in the attached article. Otherwise, let's begin with the week's news. So Nathan, more bad news coming out of the shelters in Los Angeles. Rabbits with gouged eyes, guinea pigs with no food, hamsters in urine and feces soak cages. That is how small animals are being kept at Los Angeles City Animal Services, according to a new report in the LA Times. Yeah, that is the third investigative report that the Los Angeles Times has done on Los Angeles City Animal Services. The first report found that dogs spent weeks and sometimes months without getting out of their kennels for walks, and that as a result that they were going crazy and then labeled unadoptable and killed. After that first report, the city of Los Angeles hired someone to promote enrichment for the dogs, and that resulted in a second scandal and a second report when he admitted that he was scared of dogs, but that he was only scared of the big dogs because the little dogs he could simply hit. And now we have a new report that says that city shelter managers are not requiring or holding their staff accountable when they fail to take care of the small animals like rabbits, guinea pigs, and hamsters, resulting not just in the animals going without food, not just filth, but sometimes severe injuries going untreated. 
So Nathan, this is the city shelter, but we know that the county shelter also has had a very sordid history of poor care and treatment of the animals that they are tasked with protecting, including, like with this report, rabbits. Right. Similar to what we're seeing in the city shelter now, several years ago, volunteers found rabbits in the Los Angeles County shelter system had likewise been severely neglected and ignored. Like the city shelter, rabbits, guinea pigs, hamsters, and other small animals. Animals are kept in out-of-the-way rooms. And for shelter staff, out of sight usually means out of mind. In the case involving the county shelters, volunteers likewise found animals in filthy cages, animals with no food and water for extended period of time. And in one case, the rabbits in the same cage had no food that they began cannibalizing one another. And on a day that came to be known as Spinal Monday, one rabbit was found with his spine exposed because other rabbits were literally eating him alive. And we filed a lawsuit in that case in order to force the county shelter to provide care. And it might be that that is what is needed for city shelters as well. One of the other disturbing things about the situation with the city shelter, among many, is that the people that are acting as whistleblowers in terms of how poorly the animals are cared, how they are neglected, how staff have admitted striking dogs, are volunteers. And those volunteers are actually illegally getting punished when they come forward by either being banned from the shelter or being told that if they continue to speak up, which is their First Amendment right, that they potentially face being banned. Well, we know uh, NOCAL Advocacy Center has certainly represented volunteers at other shelters who have been kicked out for whistleblowing. And those volunteers have been reinstated because it is a violation of the Constitution to be punished or denied access to public spaces where you were previously allowed because you exposed mistreatment of animals. Are there any whistleblowers in this situation that might be willing to come forward? Well, the No-Kill Advocacy Center did put out the results of these Los Angeles Times investigations, did note that it was illegal for volunteers to face retribution for exercising their First Amendment rights to free speech and to petition their government for a redress of grievances. And we've also reminded volunteers that if they do face retaliation, that not only is it illegal, but no-kill advocacy center attorneys stand ready to help. Okay, and I don't think this discussion can end without also pointing out that obviously we understand the importance of volunteers because they are the eyes and the ears of the animals. So like often we won't know what's going on in these facilities if we don't have people in there that don't work there that are reporting on what's happening. It's important to point out that Best Friends Animal Society has been calling for closed-door policies at the shelters in Los Angeles, which will only increase the lack of transparency that currently exists. That is absolutely true. And not only does Best Friends falsely claim that Los Angeles city shelters are no-kill, which even the city shelter admits that they are not, and two, a model for the nation, which clearly these Los Angeles Times investigations prove that that is false. But you're absolutely right. They are calling for shelters not to allow volunteers without an appointment, which just means fewer eyes and ears on the animals, which is a recipe for not only abuse, but abuse that goes unreported and therefore uncorrected. 
Okay, and more news out of California. AB 2380, banning the financing of dogs and cats purchased online, was just signed into law. So that's some good news that we have to report. That is good news. So back in 2019, California became the first state in the country to ban the retail sale of commercially bred dogs, cats, and rabbits in pet stores in order to reduce puppy and kitten mill abuse and to encourage adoption and rescue. One way that out-of-state breeders have been able to get around the ban is through online sales. And because some of these puppies and cats can cost thousands of dollars, what they have been doing is offering online financing so that people can pay for their puppies or kittens over time. AB 2380 bans the financing of dogs and cats purchased online, and that will almost certainly further reduce the number of commercially bred puppies and kittens entering California, which would, again, not only reduce abuse in mills, but encourage rescue and adoption. All right. And in other dog-related news, a new report is warning families about an increase in the number of stolen dogs. Nationally, dog thefts are up 40% from last year. So Nathan, we know here in the San Francisco Bay Area where we live, the theft of certain breeds of dogs has been an ongoing problem, but apparently it is nationwide. Generally, it tends to be small dogs that are being stolen. And the number one breed that is being taken from their families are French bulldogs. Right. And we actually almost faced that disastrous consequence ourselves when our little rescue, who is a Boston Terrier pug mix that we got from the pound, we left him in the car for literally two minutes to run and get an online order. We were no more than 10 feet away from the car. And the car wasn't even out of our sight at that time. This was a couple years ago. Right. And this was before people became aware of of the the, danger of leaving your dog in the car. This was pre-pandemic. And and somebody broke into our car and they were about to steal Ozzy, but the alarm went off. And, and since that time, we, we actually don't leave Ozzy in the car anymore. And when we see other people with little dogs in their car, we leave a note on their window and inform them of the increasing number of reports we're seeing in local newspapers about little dogs that are not just stolen out of cards, but sometimes stolen at gunpoint. And out of people's arms or on during their walks. So right. yeah, we, we so, tell people to be very careful and um, to warn pe- others if you see them. So for instance, leaving their dog tied out in front of Starbucks while they run in to get a drink or something, it is so unsafe and people should not be doing that right. anymore. And the good news is most places like Starbucks will allow you to bring the dog. Yeah, in. technically long, maybe they're not supposed to, but they do. As long as you don't say anything and yeah. don't call attention to them, they don't say anything. Right, just so. we'll both pretend it's not happening and, and then it can happen. Yeah, so it is a, definitely a national problem and people need to be very careful. Okay, and as we do every week, we like to share some of the successes occurring across the country, those shelters that continue to embrace the no-kill equation model of sheltering and report impressive placement rates as a result. Nathan, this week we want to celebrate Ewing Township, New Jersey. Right. Ewing Township reported a 99% placement rate for dogs, 99% for cats, and 100% for rabbits and other small animals. And Somerset, New Jersey reported a 98% placement rate for dogs, 97% for cats, and 100% placement rate for other small animals. And as we will discuss after this week's news, these communities and national data prove that animals are not dying in pounds because there are too many, too few homes, or people don't want those animals. They are dying because people in those pounds are killing them. Replace those people, implement the no-kill equation, and we could be a no-kill nation today. 
Okay, Nathan, now for some fun news, a new survey has come out regarding how people feel about allowing their dogs to sleep on the bed. 76% of people with dogs allow them to sleep on the bed. Of those that don't, 57% still keep their pets close by, allowing them to sleep in the bedroom. And single dog owners, 80%, are more likely to sleep with their dog than married dog owners, 73%. Right. And it turns out that about a third of married couples disagree on whether the dog or dogs should sleep on the bed with one spouse saying yes and one spouse saying no, and they fight about it. All right. Well, I think there's a simple solution to this problem, and it is a California king bed. Right. <laughs> Which is what we have. <laughs> Which is what with, we have with, with plenty Os- room on it. Yes. And with Oswald safely Snuggle tucked between in us. between us. That's Absolutely. correct. Absolutely. Okay. And now some news about pit bulls. A pit bull owners urged a federal appeals court to resurrect their suit, claiming that their constitutional rights are violated by an Iowa City's ordinance banning possession of the dogs within that city. Yeah. Unfortunately, the dog owners lost in the district court level, which is why they appealed. The lower court dismissed their lawsuit in which they claimed that the ordinance violated their constitutional rights of due process and equal protection of the laws because the city was allowing visual identification to determine if a dog was a pit bull. And visual identification is notoriously unreliable, with one study finding that 50% of dogs labeled as pit bulls lacked the DNA of breeds commonly classified as pit bulls. And they also argued that even if their dogs were in fact pit bulls, given that their individual dogs have done nothing wrong, then they shouldn't be treated differently than other dogs. And the science is definitely on their side. Pit bulls are not more likely to bite, do not bite harder, and bans do not result in fewer dog bites or bite-related hospitalization rates. And hopefully the three-judge panel at the Court of Appeal will agree with them. So, Nathan, we've reported several times on the warning of seizing of dogs that look like pit bulls in Keystone, Iowa. Will this impact those families and those dogs? Well, so this lawsuit involves a pit bull ban in a different Iowa city, but given that they are in the same judicial circuit, if in fact the pit bull families win on appeal with the appellate court reversing the lower court's dismissal, then definitely it would potentially render all the pit bull bans throughout Iowa and neighboring states, in fact, null and void. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this 15-minute sample of This Week in Animal Protection. The entirety of this week's news and our main discussion are available only to subscribers. If you want to listen to this podcast and future episodes in their entirety, please subscribe at nathanwinograd.substack.com.